Hi, good evening. How's it going? Ah, I'm just going for another bit of a, an evening stroll out here. I'm trying, trying to find uh, somewhere where I can wander without um, wind hitting me in the face. <clears throat> it was a really warm day for much of today. It was actually really quite beautiful. And then I got the, the weather forecast saying that there's this gale force wind coming up from Antarctica sort of sweeping up through Tasmania and we'll be hitting here pretty soon. It's already awfully windy out here. Like, you, do, you see the trees moving around and bending all out of place? So I figured if I'm, if I'm going to get some evening exercise, now's probably one of the last times that I can. Uh, speaking of wild weather, though, wow, it's a bit echoey in here. Uh, so I'm just... I'm in chats when I'm just wandering around... The sort of the business park because with COVID lockdown being what it is there ain't no one here so why the hell not uh, but now I saw this crazy um, image that someone had shared on uh, Twitter showing Hong Kong just being absolutely inundated just uh, like as in you could see the rain in the distance. I'm, I'm explaining it poorly, but it almost looked like there was a cloud that was just being sucked into the ground. It was that dense in that very specific small uh, area. And it reminded me, I mean, I don't, I can't remember if I actually ended up doing an episode over there, but um, when Claire and I were in Hong Kong a few years ago, to, to set the scene, I guess, I, I, I grew up in Singapore. I'm used to tropical storms. So we used to joke in Singapore, especially during the monsoon season, that if it was raining, an umbrella, it wasn't quite useless, but it was pretty much useless. The only thing that an umbrella in the tropics protects uh, is the very, very top of your head. Anything below the nose is just a write-off, and especially your feet, forget about it. It's just, you're just going to be, you're going to be waterlogged and soaked no matter what you do. I think in those kind of circumstances, a raincoat is far more uh, robust, but then even then it billows all over the place and, and rain still somehow manages to get in. The moral of the story is there are two things. You either stay inside or you get over your aversion to being wet. Those are really your... Ooh, heavens. Um, <clears throat> that's... Uh, that went blue quickly. Um, no, no, th- those are... Those are kind of <laughs> Good. Um, those are your two options. So I was used to that, right? So whenever I would see people in Australia complain about how bad the weather is for a few days of the year, I'd sort of nod my head and say, uh-huh, yeah, sure, whatever you say. Hong Kong, though, was just on a totally, on a completely different plane of existence. Just Well, it was, because I flew Cathay Pacific. <laughs> what? Um, it was, it was so intense. We were only there for a few days in transit um, before heading over to Japan. We, we had the option of either flying direct to Narita in Tokyo and then going down to Osaka, which is where we wanted to be, or we could fly via Hong Kong, spend a few days there, and then fly from there to Kansai Airport in, near Kobe, which is sort of within commuting distance of Osaka. And so for us, it was a no-brainer. Like we, we love Osaka. We love... Kyoto, we love um, that whole area. And, yeah, a couple of days in Hong Kong, yeah, please. I mean, I had been wanting to go there my whole life. 
it's yeah i mean it's it's hard not to talk about that place now with in without sort of talking about the political situation everything over there which is kind of a bit scary and sad although also i kind of have this sense that we all kind of knew it was going to happen it was just a question of when and i suppose we kind of had hoped that we'd get a little bit more time before it happened but yeah it's it's a bit sad but i was only there for a few days and i loved it it was everything that i liked about singapore but amped up tenfold it was just oh if the circumstances were even slightly different i would be applying for permanent residency in hong kong right now like that was how much i loved the place the the atmosphere and the culture and the food and the public transport and the art and everything just oh wow so amazing just blew away even my wildest expectations of the place to the point where like I, I grew up in Singapore and I loved it I loved Singapore an awful lot but Hong Kong was just the next step up from that just in every respect uh, although if I thought rent in Singapore was uh, expensive prepare to be blown away by Hong Kong good grief uh, I have a nasty habit of picking places so so my favorite city in the US is is uh, I know it's perhaps a bit cliche for a computer nerd but it's um, New York and San Francisco so I picked two of the most expensive cities in North America to like. We've got Hong Kong, we've got Singapore, and then I live in Sydney, which is overwhelmingly the most expensive city in Australia. Whoop-dee-doo! <laughs> like, ah. Uh, yeah. Not the, uh, not the most fiscally prudent or responsible person when it comes to lodgings and things. But no, so, yeah... The one thing about Hong Kong, we went there during Hong Kong's monsoon season. And if you thought, well, I should say I thought, if I thought that Singapore in during monsoon was crazy, Hong Kong was just... Oh, I, I had two pairs of shoes with me because I intended to buy some more clothes in um, Japan. Because the great thing about Japan is people are my build. So relatively spindly and tall so in australia if i want to get pants that are long enough for me they're way too wide and if i get pants that fit me properly even with a belt they come up to my ankles it's really frustrating and it's the same thing with shirts even a slim fit shirt <coughs> shirt i can uh the the to have the cuffs come out to my hands they just billow like a pillowcase, like across my body. It's just a, or a bed sheet, I should say. It's just silly. Uh, so yeah, I could go to Japan, and the clothes there just fit me perfectly. It's just amazing. So I thought, yeah, I'll get some, I'll get some clothes, I'll get some shoes, and I'll. Uh, I brought a, a, a larger suitcase to fit it all, and it was great. I, I had the whole thing planned out. So I get to Hong Kong with Clara take the uh, the mtr into town from the airport which was also like super easy to figure out and very affordable and just amazing all of the stuff i dreamed of it would be and we get to the the cute little hotel in kowloon and we step outside and a monsoon rain hits and i think it pretty much rained continuously the entire time we were there and not just rained like bucketing down we were Actually, you know what, I take some of that back. We were excruciatingly lucky that we went up to the top of Victoria Peak to look across the harbour. I would say probably the most spectacular, uh, how would you say, human-made or artificial view in the world. But even then, it's like you, you see the harbour, you see the clouds, you see the, 
the rain in the distance, you see this sweeping thing, and the skyline was just spectacular. So it was just that combination of natural beauty, all the steep hills and the forest on it, aligned with these 80-story-high apartment buildings and things. It was just unlike anything I ever seen in my life. Just wow. But so looking at that, we actually got a moment where it wasn't raining and I was able to get a few photos. And kind of like uh, when we were in New York, we were, when Claire and I, because of course... I had always long been fascinated with the Chrysler building and the Empire State Building and all that. I love Art Deco design. So we went to the top of the Empire State Building and I remember initially being really quite disappointed because I thought, eh, it's early in the morning and it's kind of it's kind of muggy and hazy and overcast and rainy. This isn't going to be great. And I guess the the way the light scattered through the clouds it just it made it look made the whole city look like a movie set. I'm sorry, excuse me. No, it wasn't the top of the Empire State Building. It was the um, Rockefeller Center. So you could look out across Manhattan and you could see the Empire State Building in front of you. That was yeah, and so it was a it was an overcast day, but it it actually made the photos look way more, or like they had way more impact, uh, which I really really liked. And same thing in Hong Kong. I guess the, 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 the storm clouds and things, you had this really dark sky and then pockets of brightness and you could even see a little bit of blue through some of it. And then you had the city below that and the ferries in the harbour and just, oh, wow. Amazing. <sighs> but yeah, we, we got there. I step out and of course it starts bucketing down with rain. With Clara again as my witness, I tweeted about this before, we had to go to a shoe shop within a day of arriving there and I had to buy a pair of hush puppies now what were I forget what they were called they were um oh I can't remember the 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 style but the the they were sort of sealed and they were guaranteed to be water resistant up to a certain amount of stuff and so for the few days that we were there, I basically wore these, um, I guess you'd call them smart casual or whatever, these sort of um, kind of look like a little bit like business shoes, but more casual. I, I don't know what that, <laughs> what that would be. So I wore those and with the, the, the claims to be waterproof and I kind of, I, t- I looked like such a nerd, but I didn't care. I tucked my pants into them. Oh, and by doing that, it meant that by about midday every day, uh, my shoes had started to get a, my socks had started to take on a bit of water. Um, but yeah, obviously made a huge difference. I, I was out there in canvas shoes and I thought I was being good. I scotch guarded the mofos. <laughs> no difference. Then the only thing I was in sneakers the second day, same thing. They just got, within five minutes, I was like walking in bathtubs. It was so gross. Ugh. Anyway, so those were my memories of. Um, Hong Kong. I do hope to go back there one day. That's not to say that Singapore didn't have its own moments, though. I remember, I think I was studying for my year 12 exams, and I was getting the bus home one day. It's it's funny how you remember these very specific few things. So I'm getting the the uh, the bus home from school. I'd stayed back quite a, quite a bit later because my I think it was my chemistry teacher was um, helping a few of us out with some stuff, and. I, I step off the bus on Scotts Road, which is kind of near um, Orchard Road. I'm not sure if it's still the case, but for a while there, Orchard Road per square meter was the most expensive retail street in the world. I think the Champs-Élysées was for many years, and then um, Orchard Road in Singapore kind of took over. It's weird, because in most places you would have like shopping areas, so 
you know, in KL, you've got Jalan Ampang, you've got Pitt Street Mall and stuff in Sydney. But a lot of places are kind of decentralized. They don't really just have one street where everything's on. Uh, it's certainly not at the scale of um, Singapore. But yeah, for whatever reason, a, a lot of the really high-end department stores and things. like Well, Ginza in Tokyo is another example where it's a few different streets and stuff. So... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I step off the the um, the curb. I step off the bus onto the curb in um, on Scotts Road in uh, in Singapore, sort of during one of these monsoon rain things. And I miss the curb, and I just step into the gutter, and I could just tell immediately that I made a dreadful mistake. <laughs> the water just came up. It wasn't to my knees or anything, but it was well past my ankles, and it was just soaked. And you know, socks are these. Um, I adore socks and I judge people who don't wear them. Like people who just wear shoes without socks, uh, they're not quite the worst people in the world, but they, uh, they mingle with them and they know their habits and they, 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 they cohabitate certain spaces together without reservations. They're really just the, the worst, the, the worst of the worst kind of people and, and they should be judged and shamed um, in, in as full a capacity as we're able to afford them. But the... the People, it just makes no sense. But so I, I, um, I, I've noticed that that socks are these incredible devices. But you get them wet, even just slightly, and they. I don't know how they retain water that well, but they will just retain water permanently. I'm surprised that there are. Uh, there are people who work in desert environments, or some people who work in very arid conditions, should just. Instead of filling water flasks, they should just get truckloads of socks and just throw them into tanks of water. And then you could, you could just sling a few hundred socks on your back and just suck the water through the sock. I'm talking about clean socks, obviously, but there is no other conveyance or contraption that I know of that is able to retain water as effectively and for such a long period of time as socks. I don't know what, what it is about the properties of it. Maybe it's a combination of the shape and the weave of the material and, and a bit of uh, my hubris thrown in, but it, it's just it's, it's something that um, warrants further scientific investigation. <sighs> wow, we, we really went on a tangent about weather. I'm going to go for a bit of a stroll up here and um, take a look. The, uh, I was looking down at the time here, and it really I was really expecting the, the wind and the rain to be utterly inhospitable at this point of time, but it seems like we can still get around here, maybe? Oh, no, okay, that's, that's a bit windy. Let's, let's go back this way. Uh, actually, while I'm here, I'll just take a... Um, yeah. Okay. I just took a... I don't know if it pauses the recording when I do that. I just took a picture for the, the cover out of this. <sighs> oh, what I actually intended to talk about this episode was uh, kind of a bit of a personal realization, but I thought it was sort of broadly applicable or maybe of interest to other people as well, that I had... I don't know when this started. I think it was when I was a teenager, but I had... Ooh, that's a very satisfying leaf. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, uh. I had somehow convinced myself, and I think it was when I was a teenager, that I always had to be productive. So it, it didn't matter how tired I was or what I was doing. If I was awake, I had to be doing something. 
And the more I explain it out loud, the less it makes sense. But it's kind of, I couldn't, um, I couldn't really play games. I couldn't really read books. I couldn't, there's a whole bunch of these things that I had convinced myself were wastes of time. So I could be reading a computer book. I could be reading a, a, um, a newspaper or something, but just a, a fictional novel for some reason. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. In games, I couldn't really bring myself to play. And there was this period where, I don't know, it's just, I feel like I'd, it's almost like I, I felt like I hadn't earned it, that somehow there was a lot of stuff going on and um, either, either I thought my family life or studies or something like those always took precedence. So if, you know, in high school or sort of, especially around year 11, 12, if I was doing anything other than studying, I just was just racked with so much guilt that if I did try and have fun, it just became a miserable experience. It, it, it was really weird. And it was very much, I've talked about this before, it was very much internal. Uh, my parents were very hands-off when it came to this stuff. Uh, you know, they were, my dad was a, um, uh, a chemist, like he had a master's degree and studied his ass off. Uh, my mum did, uh, went to an art school in, in Dunedin in New Zealand and actually lived there for many years. So she had experience with the, the complete other side of all of that stuff. So you know, academics and stuff were very important, but I think they were kind of re- really desperate, especially for, for me to kind of have a bit more um, balance which was also a brand of cereal <laughs> and it was really good. And then I think back to it now thinking it was probably tasted really good because it was probably full of sugar. And I mean, it was oat clusters. So I imagine it was full of carbohydrates and sugar and probably not much else. Oh, it was, it was spectacular. They, they came out with a, they discontinued it and they came out with another one called oat and honey bake, which as the name suggests was oat and it, and honey and it was and uh, it was it was also very <laughs> good <sighs> but yeah discontinued as well probably for the health of the people eating it so much the better and yeah it wasn't till I uh, sort of got started working full time and sort of graduated from uni and stuff that mentally I started giving myself permission again to in my mental model, waste time. And to this day, like, I still have this mental image of there are certain things that I do that are productive and certain things that aren't. And I allow myself to to do the things that are unproductive. But really, it's, it's still something that should be done sparingly and you really should be doing productive stuff. And I guess the, maybe it's the uh, the COVID lockdown stuff that I've noticed. I've been using the word stuff a lot lately. You would think that my vocabulary would be sufficient for me to uh, afford the use of more sophisticated terminology than the word stuff. Um, which, uh, okay, sorry, another total aside. There was this, do you remember there was this, um, it doesn't exist anymore, but there was a, um, there was a magazine, I think it was called, there were a couple of these things. There was Stuff and there was T3. There were a bunch of these magazines in um, Singapore, which were obviously targeted at nerds. And I remember it was... We were talking about the uh, the MTR in Hong Kong 
uh, at the start there. Oh, I was on the I was on the M R. I always get the now I'm starting to get the acronyms confused. It was the M R T in Singapore, the transit system, and I was on the train because I had I was trying to figure out what MP3 player to get at the time. This is really starting to date me. So this would have been what the early to mid um, 2000s. And I'd picked up a copy of, I can't remember if it was Stuff or T3. I think it was T3. And I was rummaging um, through the, the pages because they had a, um, a, a whole section they were talking about, MP3 player showdown, something like that. And so they were comparing the iPod and the Creative Zen. You know, Creative was a Singapore company, so there was, a, you know, home, t- home, um, home team advantage and, uh, and all that. Oh, what else? I think there was also a Panasonic thing that ran on SD cards. I think my sister ended up getting one of those. Because the idea was, compared to the iPod, you could get something with an SD card reader, and then you could expand it as much as you wanted. And so I had this magazine, and I, so I was quite interested in it. And so I, I pulled it out of my bag, and I'm sort of standing there on the train reading this thing. And I, I remember, it was, it, oh, I just... I, I got so embarrassed. I turned the, the page to the section about um, the MP3 players. And I... <laughs> oh, this, like, bashful 17-year-old nerdy, dweeby, like, computer geek kid guy sitting on... Uh, standing in this um, very crowded train in Singapore. And the whole double page was a, a, women, uh, a woman in a swimsuit holding one of these machines or one of these mp3 players and sort of winking at the camera and i just remember looking at that and thinking oh uh uh oh <laughs> and so i flipped the page and it's 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 kind of the same thing it was another it was another um uh another woman in the same kind of outfit um very sort of skimpy uh bikini and stuff holding Actually, no, no, that was the thing that I, I... So, another total distraction. It was actually something that my mum commented on. She said that she was actually quite taken aback. She said, wow, the, uh, the people... I, I, long story, it's, it's very embarrassing, but I remember I came home one time and, uh, you know, my mum was... Um, no, she and I had a, had a thing. It was, we had kind of a special um, bond. Like, we used to hang out a lot, especially... I think it was... <sighs> she and I would um, spend a lot of time in the oncology ward while she was getting her, her chemotherapy drips and things. And, you know, like my, my sister uh, and I were both very close to both of our parents, but there was something like I, I really had a thing with my mum, which I quite treasure to this day sort of thinking about, um, even though she's been gone for a while. And I remember telling her the story that I was, I was so embarrassed that I had been reading this T3 magazine. Every time I flicked the page, it was another picture of one of these uh, women holding one of these devices. And her comment was that actually, of all the things that they could be wearing, she said, oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in, um, how did she phrase it? They're in, uh, they were in uh, one pieces, like they weren't in, they weren't in bikinis or anything. And she said they were actually quite understated and uh, uh, they weren't, it wasn't particularly gross. She said, so you see some of those other uh, kind of like lads magazines and stuff from, um, especially from the UK. I remember the being sort of, I would come back to Australia for holidays and stuff and you would see some of those and they whoa, that's, <laughs> that's more than... I'd ever seen on a on a bookshelf before, so yeah, she was like, yeah, they're they're, they're actually quite uh, quite restrained. 
But uh, yeah, she thought it was hilarious that I turned the cover to this section about MP3 players and I was reading this thing. And then I kept flicking the pages because I was getting more and more embarrassed. And every single page had one of these people posing like that. Oh, actually, and you know what? I'm not sure if it was if it was that specific issue, but one of them, um, because like this again, this is Singapore, so it's a it's a it's quite a different um, uh, sort of culture and mindset. But it's I remember coming back to Australia and and the covers of all the lads mags and stuff you'd see at um, bookshops and service stations and things would always have. You know, these are the the uh, the parties that we went to, and and all this. I, am I showing how <laughs> introverted I am? But uh, these ones, I remember there was one. Uh, this sounds like something stuff would have done. There was one of these magazines, and the cover was about who's the best Shana cosplayer. And if if you don't know who Shana was, it was a it was an anime series. Um, it like people have it in their mind a certain thing about what cosplay is. Shana's character was just she was just in a like a, I wouldn't have said it was a particularly scandalous outfit at all. It was actually very restrained. And in fact, quite a lot of the pictures of people who'd sort of sent in uh, pictures of them cosplaying this character with her bright red hair and stuff were adorable. Like I wouldn't have said that they were particularly risque at all. Um, yeah, just a totally different um, mindset to all of this. Anyway, I don't know where the hell or why the hell I got onto all of that. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, that was the only other thing that my, my mom was saying is that she said, yeah, it's like that uh, she said it used to really frustrate her that you would pick up car magazines and things. And she said the uh, the um, the women in these things were always just really, she said it was always very suggestive and in her mind quite degrading. Where she said, "Oh, I keep remembering details about this stuff." So, so she. The other reason she liked it is because they actually had uh, quotes underneath some of them. So they would say things like, "Oh, this um, this person holding the creative zen, blah blah blah." She's going to. Um, I was about to say NTUC Fair Price. That's not <laughs> that's not what I meant. Uh, NTU, the, the Technological University, and she's studying blah and all that. And anyway, very weird. I don't know how we got onto all of that, but um, yeah, I guess the the idea of being um, productive all the time, being in in sort of COVID lockdown stuff was really kind of made me appreciate that you do in fact need downtime and it's not frivolous. Like you actually need to do it for yourself. I'd spent every sort of weekend during lockdown for the past three or four months or however long it's been now sort of stuck at home with Clara and we're doing everything we can to just distract ourselves and I don't know what happened but over the weekend maybe it was because of all these family things that were going on and the fact that my um my friend had that thing happen to him a few weeks ago but something got to me and I kind of, I don't know, it's like whether something short-circuited in my head or I had a nervous breakdown or something, but something clicked and I said, right, I can't deal with anything at the moment. And I kind of, what, it was strange. I went to, I sat on our couch and I didn't have my phone on me. The TV wasn't on. And I just, I kind of just sat there. And out the corner of my eye I could see the window and so out the window you can see the street and the street has cars on it and the cars have people in it and there are people crossing the street and there are lights and um, 
traffic lights and things that are blinking and moving around and stuff. And so I could see that out of my periphery. But for the most part, I was kind of just sitting there just sort of in a a weird state where I wasn't watching anything or if I was watching something, I wasn't processing it. It was all just flying by and wasn't listening to anything, wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there and I kind of did that for a few minutes And it sort of, it, it got me into this mental state where I kind of, I don't know whether I felt, felt like I had sort of started letting go of something, but I just felt this slow but, but very sure sort of wash of, uh, how would you describe it? Um, bu- 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 comfort, I guess? Sort of reassurance but in sort of a uh, I don't know how to describe it but sort of was awash with the sense of just I guess we'd say relief I suppose and I noticed that I was breathing like I was slowing down my breath I was calming down and I was just breathing in and out and I started noticing just little things like the fact that the chair was especially squishy (laughs) And I could feel the weight of myself in this chair, and I had my hand on the on the on the uh, armrest of the chair, and I was just sort of slowly kind of stroking the side of the chair like this, where the where the fabric was, and I could feel the fibers in the the side of the chair. And I started wiggling my toes, and I could feel my shoes and stuff. And I I tried so much to do meditation when I was a kid, and especially when I was a teenager, and I just could never get anywhere uh, with it. And to this day, every time I have tried to do meditation deliberately, like I'll, I'll sit down in a chair and say, right, I'm going to meditate now, I can never keep thoughts out of my head. People say, oh, you have to clear your thoughts. So concentrate on your breathing. Maybe if you feel the breath through your nose or what have you. That was another very satisfying um, uh, <laughs> leaf thing. Yeah, concentrate on your breathing. And of course, I would, I would attempt to do this, and that never worked. I would think, hmm, okay, I'm breathing in and out. Oh, breathing. Breathing is a, is a thing that I, I do. You know what? I breathe a lot more when I'm, I'm jogging or doing exercise. When was the last time I did exercise? Exercise is useful for health. Oh, my health isn't that great. Maybe I should be cutting down on this food. What I should do is start a spreadsheet where I track my... And I'm like, what, what the fuck am I doing? I just couldn't keep it up. And yet, for some reason, over the weekend, just sitting down in the chair without much thought, haha, maybe that's the key, and just giving myself permission to not think about stuff. So it wasn't me saying, I'm not going to think about something. It was just, uh, I don't know whether it's just exhaustion played a part of it or, or something, but it was just, I'm, I'm letting myself sit here. And I'm just going to let whatever feelings are here take me to where I need to be. And, and that's it. Like I, I'm not going to give it any more thought than that. It's, it was the most amount of calm that I have felt in a long time. And so, of course, I woke up the next day and went right back into my old habits, checking my email, checking my social media profiles, checking all this stuff. I gotta check this, I gotta check this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta write this, I gotta think about this, I gotta read these articles, I gotta catch up to this. 
I'm going to, yeah, I know it's strange. Like it's, I'm, it's, I think I need to figure out how to get back to that place. Cause I think it was, yeah, it's something I've, I've, I've just got to try a bit more. If you've had any experience with any of this sort of stuff, I'd be very keen to hear your thoughts. If you go to rubinand.com forward slash um, about, I think, and there's the contact link at the bottom. Yeah, let me know. <sighs> Maybe we can reminisce about monsoons in Hong Kong and stuff. And MP3 players. One thing I will actually close off on um, is this whole journey to get rid of streaming services has also been a huge positive thing in my life. I Like pretty much any of you listening to this, a while ago I kind of... I didn't make the switch to streaming services deliberately. It kind of just happened. Like I was sort of... The fact that I couldn't really sync... I think it was because I couldn't sync my phone properly anymore. iTunes was having problems. Um, the fact that I could just open up a web browser and just start listening to music that I was paying for each month. But then, you know, the, the business model of it really does, it, if it can be a bit blue here for a second, it really does screw over people and disproportionately people who, have, who aren't the sort of the, the very, very top level artists. My sister's fiancé is a, is a musician and he, he has a, he has a, a full-time uh, technical job, like technical sales role. Actually, not too dissimilar to me in some ways. But he, um, yeah, he's in a, he, he was in a band and he's, he's done some solo stuff. And yeah, the amount of money that you get from all that, you, you, you kind of know deep down inside that you think, $14 a month and I can listen to whatever I want. The, how does that scale? How, do, how, does, how does any of that model work? And I suppose from the streaming services point of view, they would say that if they get enough people subscribing, then every, that it all gets divvied up and everyone kind of wins. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really convinced about that. Like, I think the recording studios really saw um, things like Napster and Nutella and these um, torrenting platforms and stuff as being the sort of the mortal enemy. When really the mortal enemy should have been like how do we get people to pay for something that they're passionate about or that they care about so if you listen to an artist and you really like them how do i support them Um, because i mean when i was a teenager i was fully on board with this idea that napster and all that were all about discovery and because for me it really was like i would listen to a band and I would download it on Napster to listen to. And quite often, because the whole point of Napster was it was also sharing a certain folder of stuff. And so chances are if someone had a specific artist that I really liked, they would have other things that I might like as well. And so you would find out about all this stuff. And so I'd be downloading a Michael Franks album and I'd say, oh, this guy has Ben Sidron. I've never heard of him before. And Herbie Hancock, who's that? And I'd, I'd, so I'd start listening to them. I think, wow, this is great. And I'd go down to HMV or to Tower Records or whatever, and I'd buy them. So, I mean, that, that worked in Discovery, and there was this kind of the evidence to suggest at the time that during Napster's heyday, music sales were actually on the increase rather than the other way around. 
But then, I don't know, like years later, I, was, I, I read things by uh, Marianne Call, who's one of my all-time favorite um, independent musicians. She's just, she's so good, and her, her social media game is on point. Like, she just is so good. She was uh, sort of talking about, yeah, that she pours all of her heart and soul into this album, and she releases it, and she's like, I'm not, I'm not in this to make a fortune. I just want to be able to do what I love and and maybe if I can pay the bills so much the better like she's really not asking for the world and she says within an hour or so the stuff is already on the torrent sites and things and she said it's just she knows that it's inevitable but it kind of makes her sad and as far as I'm concerned streaming services I mean yeah they solved the problem for music companies but did it solve the problem for in, for artists I don't think so I, I think the proof is in the pudding it's um, I don't think it was Marion Cole who said it. Who I think oh, was it Corey Wong? I think it might have been Corey Wong, who said that each album that he sells. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably, I don't think it was Corey Wong, but anyway, maybe it was Wolfpack or something. Every album that you buy is more money than they've made in that whole week, if not the whole month, from all the streaming services that they have. So if you care about something, you have to buy it. So. I have really been getting stuck into this again. Like, uh, my dad has almost a terabyte of ripped CDs. It took my sister and I many, many years, but we plowed through my dad's how many thousand CD collection that he had. He used to have bookshelves of them. And as kind of a Father's Day present one year that kind of ended up taking many years, we ripped all of his CDs. And, as, you know, the highest possible quality MP4s and... Um, 320 kbps, like the best, the best that you can do, um, without sort of going to flack, which is kind of a waste of time in terms of disc capacity, and you can't really hear it anyway unless you're wanting to use it to remaster something. But even then, it's kind of eh. Um, so we, yeah, we had all of these files for him, and so I took a backup snapshot of all of that just before I left um, his house over Christmas, and going through it all now has just been. A joy to rediscover so much of this stuff and put it all into well in fact I've been using this uh, terminal based music program called Music Cube K-U-B-E it's really good it's like it has a text-based interface kind of like what iTunes used to have before Apple ruined it it's it's just a list of artists on the side and you use your arrow keys and then you use the right arrow key to select the the, the artist who jump into the main pane and it lists the albums and the songs that the artists have and you hit the enter key and it starts playing and that's it. It's just, it's really nice. It doesn't have the cover art for obvious reasons, it's a text-based thing, but other than that, it's just, it's really just slick and nice. And so what I've been wanting to do now is to think, okay, for my whole life I had this expansive iTunes library, but now I'm just using this Music Cube system, which pretty much similar to iTunes, you store it based on the artist, and then within the folder of the artist, there's the album. And then there's a separate folder for compilations, which then it you know, sort of gets divvied up that way. And I kind of want to put that on something to listen to. And, I mean, what, what really frustrates me in 2021 is no one really wants you to do that anymore. So if you open music on iTunes, for example, or Apple Music or iTunes, the default position of it is this is a vessel to 
sell you a subscription to Apple Music or a subscription to Spotify. Oh, you want to listen to music? Well, you get the Apple Music app on your phone or the Spotify app on your phone or the Pandora app on the phone or what are some of these other ones? A Tidal <laughs> for anyone who uses that. You can't, as far as I can tell, like it's, it's possible, but they really discourage it. Like there's this push to not have you sync music libraries. And I guess to an extent it kind of makes sense because mobile internet is sufficiently fast and cloud storage is sufficiently cheap that why would you bother casting around hundreds of gigs of music on a, something in your pocket? But I don't know, there was, there was a period of time, especially with the iPod, where it really felt like... Now, I had this thing in my pocket, I pulled it out, I really was carrying my music collection with me. Like, there were, uh, you know, cassettes were a bit before my time, and, and mini discs and things like that, but it wasn't all that long ago when you only had a couple of tapes in your bag, and you'd take it out, and maybe you'd make a mixtape or two, you'd put them in the tape player, and you'd listen to it on the car, or uh, in the car, or on the train, or in the, in, on a bus or something. So to have every song that you've ever had on this thing and then to be able to mix it and to make playlists and things, there was... I actually sort of think that MP3 players and, and iPods and these, they were kind of an extension of mixtapes. And like that was a really big deal in the, in the early days of iTunes. Like Apple's um, whole shtick was they said, rip, mix and burn... They wanted you to rip all your CDs, make your own mixes and your playlists, and then burn them onto CDs again to put in your car or whatever. The media companies didn't like that, so Apple kind of pulled that marketing message. But now it's all just streaming services. And aside from the sort of the pittance that streaming services represent compared to CD sales and things, another thing that it, that it really represents is, just like eBooks, I've started noticing, they will revoke them at a moment's notice. So I, I had an Apple Music playlist full of um, late 90s stuff, which I... Um, ooh, beep. Oh dear, we have, a, uh, we have an alarm here. What's going on? He didn't like my taste in music. What's going on? It's like a... Uh, I don't know why you need an alarm here, mate. There's literally no one here. <sighs> Ooh. Is this... Is, are they telling me that I have to, uh, to move away from the outside of their office building ranting about music? <sighs> that woke me up. Um, yeah, so I had this um, playlist in Apple Music for late 90s stuff. And it's not because I especially like late 90s music. In fact, I, I thought a lot of late 90s music was really awful. Um, that was kind of the, the, the peak of um, Britney Spears and Cher did that album where she used auto-tune and all this. Oh, um, not my cup of tea. But I was also kind of a teenager at the time. And thinking back on it now, like a lot of that music was the background music for so many important moments in my life, for better or worse. Um, some of it worse. So uh, I recently sort of started getting back into that stuff again, like Lou Bega and um, uh, uh, Lemon Tree and all these just like really 
all these songs. But, but they brought a smile back to my face. It sort of brought back some of that childhood optimism that I had when I was a kid. So I'd started making a playlist of these 90s songs. And within a few weeks, I would go back to listen to it. And it started skipping a bunch of them. And sure enough, I went back to the playlist and something like something silly, like more than 20% of the songs were grayed out. Uh, and I was looking into it, and it's because the compilate, because I'd made this playlist, the albums that those tracks came from weren't on Apple Music anymore, or they had changed the metadata of it, or they'd replaced that album with a different album, which was a live version instead. And so it's just this constantly moving target where you can make something, and it, it's like, it, it really bugged me, because it was like I had made this mixtape, and... Uh, Sony BMG or what have you had come into my house taken my mixtape and blanked over a section of it because they said oh we changed the licensing terms and you're not allowed to distribute it like this way anymore it just it really rubbed me the wrong way it's like you can't do that but then the more I thought about it the more I realized actually they kind of can I mean, it, copyright law is, is weird enough where y when you buy a CD, you're not buying the music. You're buying a, license, a perpetual right to play it. And I suppose that's the big difference, perpetual. If you're listening to a streaming service, there is no uh, provision in there to say that you're allowed to listen to the songs on the streaming service in perpetuity. Uh, or if there is, they say, you're allowed to listen to the music on this platform, but the music is subject to change. And I just think that's, like, it's, it's entirely, it was entirely inevitable, but it also just seems like a real waste of, um, no, if I can say, it's a waste of time. Like, why would you listen to something that's a moving target? Anyway, I've, I've kind of realized that collecting music, listening to music that way, um, Claire and I, also have a few vinyl records, we have cassettes, we've got mini discs, so we've got all these physical formats as well, in addition to this huge library of um, MP3s and MP4s. And yet, I, I know that most people don't do that. The, in fact, the vast majority of people don't do that. So the demand for MP, sort of standalone MP3 players is so low that the only new ones you can get now are probably rubbish. Um, or have, you know, like we reached the functional peak of them a while ago. And so now I'm going through this process of like, well, say I wanted to start listening to MP3s on the go again. Part of the whole thing about the launch of the original iPhone, which I remember at the time, Steve Jobs said, like, he before he introduced it as an iPhone, he said it was a widescreen iPod with touch controls. That was his pitch. The second thing he said was it was a mobile phone. And to me, that kind of really demonstrates, you know, that really showed what the priorities were for the company at the time. Apple really had a, a runaway success with the iPod, and what they wanted to do was put a phone in it. It wasn't a phone that could also play music. It was very much the other way around. Um, I remember at the time my dad had an had a, a uh, an iPod uh, iPod Classic I think and he had a couple of other media players and he said a big part of the reason that he kept going back to the iPod was that the sound quality was just 
noticeably better. He said, I don't know what electronics they have in the iPod, but the music, the fidelity, and the he was he was a through and through audiophile. Like he he always had extremely well stocked hi-fi systems. And he said he loved the iPod because it was just, he said, every other MP3 player he'd ever listened to, there, it was just missing something. And the iPod didn't. It, it, was, it was just, um, the, the audio reproduction and the sound quality was just really, really good. And he liked it a lot. And so, yeah, I, I kind of want to go back to, to playing MP3s again. But the iPhone has long since given up being a capable music player. I mean, the music app on the iPhone, the default Apple music app, is awful. It's so bad. that Just like everything Apple's done in the last decade, the UI is very pretty and very useless. Um, there's something... I, I sort of... I think it was on Mastodon, I was joking recently, that Apple has become a supermodel. It's, it's very... Um, it's it's very actually, and you know what? There are there are plenty of intelligent supermodels out there. I, I, now that I think about it, that's it's a bit uh, that's a bit flippant. But um, all pe- the main thing that people used to say about Apple was that they were very. It was all about the glamour and the image, and the actual hardware itself was no good. You know, it was all about the marketing, which was, of course, it was nonsense. But there was uh, there was a cadre of PC users, especially Windows users, who really saw the Mac as being all style and no substance. And, <laughs> I mean, it, it, if I were religious, I'd say bless their hearts. Apple have really been trying hard to push that style over substance angle lately, just in terms of their UI and things. I mean, you've seen the new version of Mac OS Big Sur. It's just a disaster. The the new iPhones, the UIs, there's, everything's hidden behind unintuitive gestures and they got rid of the home button. There's just, there's, it's, it's all a bit of a mess. So I've been kind of sort of thinking, well, I kind of want to go back to listening to music on a dedicated device again and just have that as I wander around or while I'm at work and stuff. That might actually be kind of cool. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do about that yet. I feel like if I, um, if I got a creative zen, I don't know, I've, I always wanted a creative zen as well. I, I just never got one. And I saw a particularly handsome model on eBay recently for something silly like $30 sort of tempted. The only downside to that is I think you need to use uh, Windows Media Player. What I would love, and the iPods most definitely did not do this, and it used to absolutely drive me up the wall. I just want a device that I can put music on and then stick a card into or something. So I've, I've actually been looking at seeing if I can retrofit my Palm Life Drive with a compact flash card instead of a micro drive. One of these big things, and then I can just dump a bunch of a bunch of audio files into that, um, and then be able to. As long as I can browse it by artist and album, I would be very very happy with that. And related to that, and then I'll kind of end on this note. What's really been fun for me lately is sort of realizing that I really like making playlists and things. But the main problem with playlists is. They're ephemeral, and when you switch to a different client, it all gets messed up or it disappears. Um, so, but then I sort of thought, well, if you can make mixed tapes, why can't I make mixed CDs? And if I can make mixed CDs, why can't I make virtual mixed CDs? So one of the things that's been a lot of fun is sort of going through my dad's massive music collection. I've started making my own silly CDs, so, air quote CDs. So I have an album 
of that late 90s music that I've been putting. And I, sort of to the point where I've even gone into um, Krita, the, the KDE image editor, and sort of putting together a picture of a lemon tree with Lou Bega sitting underneath it and stuff, and that's going to be the cover art to my to my 90s album. So rather than making a playlist, I make my own albums. And once you've done that, as long as all the metadata is correct, like the IDE3, uh, the ID3 tags and stuff are valid, then you can put that on any device you want and it will work because it's a CD, like it's an album. Um, I, I probably need to turn off CDDB integration in um, Apple Music or Music Cube if I started doing that because I don't want to suddenly start having all of these random CDs appear in their database that I only have. But that's been a lot of fun. So I, I had, um, I've got an old school whole week radio playlist. I've got 90s stuff. I have, um, I have the Rat Pack, which is all just uh, 20 of my favorite songs by um, Frank Sinatra and all of those, all those gentlemen. Ah, uh, that's good. The last step is just figuring out, like, how can I play this now? I suppose, I mean, I do have a few iPods. I'm, they might still work. I'm not sure. But yeah, I would just love a, a portable music device. I don't, I don't want Android. I don't want iOS. I don't want any of that stuff. I just want something with a really simple UI that I can just browse through or hit random that I can just dump music to without having to use a third-party program. Like, give, just give me something that I can drag MP3s onto. I sort of envisage in the next few years when I move off the Mac entirely and hopefully just use... Uh, FreeBSD is my only sort of desktop OS. What I would love to be able to do is not have to run a program in a VM or in Wine or something. I was like, just give me a, a uh, if it has to be FAT32 or, or, or something like that, fine, whatever it needs to be. Dump the MP3s onto that, listen to it on the go. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and nuts to all these streaming services. I'm kind of tempted just to leave it at that. <laughs> 